the Lord is going to give you freedom tools where you can walk in freedom and not be afraid. You guys okay? <laughs> um, in the Bible, it's very interesting, it's very funny. Um, usually the Lord will speak to people, you would almost think it's a riddle when he speaks to people. Like he'll, he'll give you an example or he'll tell you a story and he'll expect for us to dig for the truth of what he's saying to us. Because there's, the Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. So what happens is he's put a king's heart inside of every one of us so that when he begins to reveal himself to us and revelation comes, he wants us to dig a step further and go deeper and find out everything he's saying to us. Because there's something supernatural that happens in that transaction of him hiding something for us and us pursuing and digging for it. It's a supernatural thing. So God loves to hide things for us. And he doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us because he knows that we're going to find them. Because he said, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. For everyone who seeks, finds. <laughs> we, 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 we quote that first part and we kind of forget the rest. He's like, well, God just wants me to keep seeking and keep asking and keep knocking and keep seeking. That's great. It's true. But then he says later, hey, for everyone who seeks, they will find. For everyone who knocks, the door will be opened unto them. So, like, sometimes we forget that, that in these promises that there's a fulfillment to the promise. It's not just a, a carrot dangled in front of us to get us to move in a specific direction. It's an end result tied into obedience. I'm trying to learn to slow down when I talk. I know I talk fast. You should hear my mind. <laughs> it's like on crack or something. I don't know what's going on up there. Whoa. <laughs> Shake it free, man. <clears throat> But then there are times, so you've got those cloaked things of God. God uh, draws us into acts of obedience, into places of obedience. Then there are those just direct commands from God. <laughs> How many of God's ever just given you a direct command and you're like, oh, I, I, if I disobey that one, I'm just being really stupid right now. Like, he, he doesn't always speak to me like that. I think I need to listen. There's a, there's a command in the Bible there's a couple of them, but I, I just want to, there's more than a couple. There's a lot. <laughs> One of them is, he says to them, do not worry. Okay, thanks, God. It feels really that easy. Thanks for telling me, do not worry. Another one, be holy. Like, okay, again, thanks, God, for giving me this impossible thing there to, to aspire to, right? And then another one, when he would show up, he would always say, don't be afraid. Do not fear. These guys are in the middle of the desert. It's dark at night, and a spirit, an angel will appear for me. He's like, hey, guys, don't be afraid. <laughs> I'm all right. It's okay. <laughs> can, you, I mean, can you imagine some of the stuff that took place? Moses is walking through the desert, and a bush catches fire and doesn't go out. It just keeps burning. He's like, don't be afraid. The ground you're on is holy, <laughs> you know? So, so, I mean, we have these moments where, like, God says things to us, and sometimes like, okay, don't, don't worry, okay? Don't be afraid. Okay, be holy. And they're like, look, something I have learned is God will never give us a direct command that we can't do. God, God's a good father. He will never say something directly to us. Hey, do not worry. If we don't have already inside of us the capability of not worrying. He will never say to you, do not fear. Don't be afraid. 
if you don't already within you somewhere possess the ability to not live in fear. God's not going to say something like that to us and just toy with us. He's saying it because he's speaking to himself that he put inside of you and he knows that you're capable of not worrying, not fearing. Amen? You guys with me? And, and when I was a teenager, I would have night terrors and, and you wouldn't even know it knowing me now. But um, my brother's, you know, about 10 and a half years younger than me. So, so a lot of times we would share a room, which we loved because we would play football and baseball in our rooms all the time and put holes in the wall with bats and whatever else we could do. But he would know and he could tell you now he would remember nights when I would wake up in this just terror, afraid and feel like there was a demonic presence in the room. There are times I've seen demons. There are times I've felt this weight on top of me where I felt like I couldn't Anyone, you could have called out and no one, you couldn't get any noise to come out. And, and I remember my mom and dad saying, just say the name Jesus and it'll end. And I'm in my head thinking, Jesus, Jesus, nothing's coming out. And I'm like, dude, I'm saying it, but there's nothing coming out of my mouth. And so I would go through these things. I would be in a place and I would sense spirits. I would sense demonic presence. And, and at that time, I had no clue um, that it was a gift. I thought it was a curse. So I was very afraid. I was afraid of things. I was very fearful. Then something happened, and the Lord set me completely free from fear. Like, you're like, what? Like, I'm, I, I can tell you, and my wife can vouch for I'm not a worrier. I don't worry about stuff. I get concerned, and I'm like, God, this is an issue. We need to resolve this. But I don't take it to that level where I worry and allow fear to come in with it and partner with it. Because I know what it's like to live with worry and fear, and I know what it's like to be free from it. And I would much rather live free from it. Something the Lord taught me years ago was if I can worry, I can meditate on the Lord. Listen to me. If I can worry and if I can have fear, I can meditate on the Lord. Because it's the same thing that's being exercised when I worry and I have fear as if I'm meditating on the Lord. The word worry means to, to meditate on a fearful thought over and over again and, and mull it in your mind and think of all the scenarios of what could possibly happen. And we recognize worry, right? So worry is literally meditating in the wrong spirit realm. When we worry, we have chosen to connect ourselves to an inferior realm and what our mind does is it connects to the fear and the, the torment of that world, and we begin to think like that world thinks. So what happens, a thought will come in, and worry will come with it, and we'll start thinking of all the possible death, destruction, um, evil things that could happen in this scenario. Why? Because our heart has partnered with an inferior world that only knows death, destruction, pain, suffering. So if I can, if my body and my spirit and my mind can come into partnership with fear and worry, I can also come into partnership with freedom from fear, and I can come into partnership with a superior reality, where my mind partners with the things that are possible, with God, the good stuff that's possible, rather than the evil. You guys with me? As the Lord wants to, and, and uh, to, I really believe, I don't say stuff lightly. Like when I say that you can leave here today and not have fear, and live free from fear, I believe it with all my heart. I wouldn't say something like that if the Lord didn't put it inside of me. I wouldn't get up here and, and talk about, okay, there are a couple of things that I know that I can give away. I can help people break through shame and guilt because the Lord's delivered me from shame and guilt. 
when we start singing that song today, and so you took all my guilt and sin away and took my shame, I'm like, that's my song, God. You're, someone wrote a song with my heart and my thoughts. Because I know what it was like to live with, with sin, shame, guilt, the fear of punishment. And I know what it's like to be set free from that. So I feel that way about guilt and shame. I feel that way very strongly about fear. Because God has delivered me from fear, and I believe that when you are delivered with something, from something, and when you have breakthrough in an area uh, in your life, then God gives you the keys to that area, and you become a, a manager of that realm, and you can help other people be free. He says, uh, freely you've received, freely give. So I believe with all my heart, the areas that you have in breakthrough, you become owners and stewards of that area of breakthrough so that you can pull everyone you can into that level of breakthrough. So today, when I say you can leave free from fear and worry, I believe it with all my heart. And, and it's all a matter of whether or not you take it or not. See, there's, there's godly fear and there's ungodly fear. Okay, and so I kind of just explain that when we begin to worry, what we have done is we've come under the, uh, the influence of ungodly fear, and we've tapped into an inferior realm. But when I have the fear of the Lord, how many of you have ever heard the fear of the Lord? Fear the Lord, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it's the beginning of wisdom. And it's not afraid of God, it's not like fear like that world. It's fear and, oh my God, you're awesome. <laughs> Your world is so so much better than that other thing. You're so much better than I thought you were. Well, I, you're powerful. You're even more powerful than I ever thought you were. I mean, I thought you were powerful, but man, you're really powerful. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is when, when I turn my affections and now what gets my thought pattern is who God is, how he works, how his kingdom works, versus the other realm where, oh my God, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. And if that happens, then this could happen. So fear comes from two realms. There's godly fear and there's ungodly fear. Amen? The way we connect to those worlds comes from our thoughts. Are you guys okay? All right. In 2 Timothy, you can just write this down. And if you want to, go to 1 John 4. We'll be reading that in a minute. 1 John 4 is the, the text for today. We'll go there in just a minute. I should have said that earlier. 1 John 4. But we're also, I want to read to you 2 Timothy Verse 1, 6 and 7. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. We always quote verse 7. Um, Matthias started being afraid of stuff. I love it when little kids are to the point where they're not afraid of anything. I hate it when they hit that age when they start becoming afraid. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> so, so the Lord taking us on a journey of teaching Matthias, don't be afraid, Matthias. And so I would teach him these scriptures. And I would do this, for God has not given me a spirit of fear. And I'd have him quote it with me and repeat it. But he gave me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind and self-discipline. So I would get him to repeat that. And I would get him to repeat the, the later text that we're going to read. For, for there is no fear in love where per, perfect love drives out all fear. And then we started a new one. When he says that he's afraid, I'm like, Matthias, why are you afraid? He's like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen to me. Jesus is with me, and I'm not scared. So I teach him just, Matthias, if you're afraid, what do you need to remember? Jesus is with me. And it's so cute when, when kids, oh. Like, I want to remember his voice like that forever. <laughs> we got to record this. Jesus is with me, and I'm not scared. 
And, and so we teach that second part, but verse 6 is very important to, remit, to, to realizing that God's not giving us a spirit of fear. Because it says this, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, he's talking to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Then he goes on, For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. What is he saying there? Paul is saying, when the elders laid hands on you, Holy Spirit came and lived inside of you, Timothy. The flame of God, the Spirit of God, His Spirit came to live inside of you when we laid hands on you. And what he's telling Timothy is say, hey, remember that the Spirit of God lives inside of you, not a spirit of fear. Not a spirit of fear. So fan into flame the Spirit of God inside of you and snuff out the spirit of fear because God didn't give that one to you. But he did give you his Holy Spirit. Why is that so important? If you were here on Wednesday, you would, you would have heard kind of a thought pattern with this. We talked about why Holy Spirit is so important. And this is why. The Holy Spirit was sent by God to show us who the Father was. We asked this question Wednesday, and if, if I say it now, you'll think, what do you think of when you think of the Holy Spirit? Tongues? <laughs> I think I heard someone say tongues. We, we turn towards the power gifts and prophecy and miracles and signs and wonders and all that, which is, that's a result of Holy Spirit being inside of us. Those things will happen as a result. But Holy Spirit is summed up in this. Jesus said, hey, everything that I got, the Father gave me, and now I'm giving it to you. And he said to them in John 14, 15, 16, the way that I'm going to give you everything that's my father's in his mind is I'm going to send Holy Spirit and he's going to live inside of you and he's going to tell you who the father is. I get this picture. Holy Spirit comes and sits on my shoulder and whispers to me who my daddy is. It's impossible to live with a spirit of timidity or fear or worry if I live with the spirit of Holy Spirit inside of me. And I listen to what he has to say about the Father, not what this world has to say of what's possible that's evil and destructive. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hold to the one and just give the highest one to the other, or he'll cleave to this one and despise this one. You, you can't serve two. So he's saying, Timothy, do not fear, because when you partner with fear, you're doing this to the Holy Spirit that was given you through the laying on of hands. And that Holy Spirit reminds you who you are. Reminds you of who your daddy is. And if you push him away, then everything that's possible in this realm of darkness will begin to manifest itself into your life. But if you'll give the Heisman to the spirit of fear and fan into flame the Holy Spirit inside of you, you will become very confident in who your father is. And you'll become very confident in who you are. You're a son. You're not a servant. <laughs> you guys getting this? So when I partner with fear, I'm doing this to the Holy Spirit. But if I make a conscious effort say, no, God says, do not fear. So I'm going to, Holy Spirit, tell me what I need to hear right now. This is a cri crisis. We're going to have moments of crisis. Don't you love it how Jesus said, it? hey, guys, you're going to have troubles, hardships. You're going to have really tough times on the earth, guys. 
And they're probably getting all, all depressed. And he says, hope. But wait, wait, guys. Whoa. He could feel their atmosphere shift. You know what I've started doing when I read the Bible? I try to ask, ask myself what was happening in the atmosphere. And was Jesus saying something because um, it was a teaching moment? Or was he feeling the crowd's response to what he was saying? I feel like in this story, when he was telling them, hey guys, there's going to be hardships and trials and you're going to be persecuted. And you're going to have a lot of evil stuff going on. I believe his heart felt what they started partnering with. And he goes, wait, but be of good courage, guys. Be of good cheer. Be happy. I've overcome that world. So what the Lord is saying to you today and to me is do not partner with the spirit of fear. That isn't yours. That's an alien spirit that's come to try to live inside of you. Don't go telling me, people that I believe in alien spirits. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm already considered strange enough. So I'm, I don't believe in alien spirits that come and live inside of us with, you know. Anyway. So when that voice comes, when that voice of worry, of fear comes, I have to realize, come to realization, okay, that's not my father's spirit talking to me. That's not my daddy speaking to me. Then I have to tell him to shut up. Did you know the devil can't talk to you more than you let him talk to you? <laughs> stop for a second. Some of us think that we can say, hey, devil, stop it. And he would just keep on. Hey, devil, I told you, shut up. And he keeps on. Don't make me come in there and beat you up. Shut up. <laughs> when my heart and my mind are in connection into agreement with the spirit realm, God's spirit realm, and I tell the devil, shut up, he can't even speak to me anymore. It's true. In practice, we're like, I don't know if that's true yet or not. But if we practice that lifestyle of believing, no, when I speak, through the, through, when I say what God says, all of heaven is defending what I say. So when Jesus would come and an evil spirit would start acting out, he would say, hey, shut up. <laughs> and they would stop talking. Like, instantly. When he would come to, to a, a thing, the, the storms are loud and raging and causing fear in people. And Jesus says, hey, chill. Peace, be still. And they immediately responded. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that's living inside of us. So when the enemy comes with these nagging little demonic voices and words and all this, number one, you need to realize they're not your thoughts. Listen to me. They are not your thoughts. When that, the thoughts of worry and stress and, and financial destruction and families falling apart, those aren't your thoughts. It's a spirit of fear. Exactly. We've said this. Don't own those thoughts. Don't say, man, that's me thinking, oh, that's my thoughts. No, because the moment they become yours, we've given the enemy access to the way we think. Through partnership. Don't agree with those. Say, Stop. Okay, wait a second. This is irrational. Okay, these are not my thoughts. Are all the things that he tells us potentially, uh, uh, po are they possible? This could happen to you and that could happen. It's possible if I partner with that world. It's impossible if I break partnership with that world. Uh -huh. 
Thank you. <sighs> it's, it's just taking control of my mind. That's why he said to Timothy, God's not giving you that spirit of fear. I don't know what you're going through right now. I know you're a young pastor and you've got a big church and all this stuff's going on. I mean, he's 18 to 20 years old pastoring one of the largest churches in the world, over 50,000 men in the church. No telling how many people were in there. And so the spirit was coming to him and, and Paul's like, hey, son. Timothy, remember who you are, son. No, fan into flame the spirit of God that's inside of you. You're partnering with the spirit, of, and those thoughts are not yours. Remember what we imparted into you when we laid hands on you. Remember what we prayed over you. Remember the prophetic declarations that we gave you. Partner with those thoughts. And he says, listen to me. What you're doing right now is showing lack of self-control. You know why for the, the past two years, really, we've talked about personal responsibility and self-control? Because it's the key. If I can't control my thoughts, then my thoughts will control me. If I believe a lie, I've empowered the liar through lack of self-control. So Paul is saying, Timothy... You've partnered with an evil spirit of fear that God didn't give to you. We didn't impart into you. Stop that. Fan into flame the spirit of God that was put inside of you. And that spirit came to give you power, love, and self-control. He, he was really saying to Timothy, stop this. Your mind is out of control right now. You are thinking all kinds of things that aren't your thoughts, that aren't from you, and you're giving into them because you're not controlling your thoughts right now. Stop it. You were given a mind of self-control. You were given a spirit of self-control. Amen? So the Lord's teaching us this right now. Break partnership. Stop listening. You know, I, I grew up in, in church, and I always found it really odd and that we would always talk about the, what the devil was saying and doing. <laughs> I'm like, I go to church, and I hear people talking about, man, the devil's been after me all week, and the devil told me this. I'm like, dude, what church am I in? Is this a satanic church where we're testifying about the devil? What's going on? How many of ever, we've ever done it? Like, oh, man, I've been having bad thoughts, and I've been having evil dreams, and I've been thinking things that I shouldn't think. Well, why are you talking about it? Control your mind. Free your mind, <laughs> and the rest will follow. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's true. That's why Jesus, Jesus didn't die and raise from the dead just to, to, to give us eternal life and to give us abundant life on the earth. He did it to redeem our minds so that we could have his mind, so that we could think the way he thinks. Everything that happens out here in my life, everything that goes on is a direct result to the mind processes that go on inside of my heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Control your mind, guys. Get control of your thoughts. Don't be irrational. 
And guys, we can be irrational too. <laughs> no, I, you ever, I was trying to be funny and it did not go over well. <laughs> it's like a lead balloon. Both, both women aren't the only ones that they, they don't have a, a lion's share on the worrying gene. Men do it as well. We just don't say it and talk about it as much. Control your mind, guys. Ladies, control your minds. Get control. Stop thinking stuff that God didn't give you. You were given a spirit of Holy Spirit. You were given God's spirit, a spirit of power, love, and of self-control. Not this other spirit. Break partnership with it. How many have ever read the book, um, The Shack? so good it's just a good book i don't care don't listen to the religious world that gets hung up with his typologies of who the father is and jesus and the holy spirit i don't care god's a spirit i don't care if he's a blue martian in the book it doesn't matter people get hung up with the theology in the book no it's great it's about the father it's revealing who the father is and so I, I like to follow the, the author. His name's William P. Young. And he's a great author. And he thinks about things in, in revolutionary ways. And I want to hear what he has to say. And so the other day he put this on Twitter. And if you, I'll say it pretty slow so you can write it down. Fear exists to the degree that you don't believe you are loved by God. Oh, Fear exists to the degree that you don't believe you are loved by God. One more time, because every time I say it, I feel it even more. Fear exists to the degree that you don't believe you are loved by God. First John chapter 4, we're going to read 13 through 19. First John 4, 13 through 19. First John 4, 13 through 19. It says, this is how we know that we live in him and he lives in us. <laughs> how do we know that God lives in us and we live in God? I'm glad you asked. Because he tells us. He has given us his spirit. Oh, come on, let that sink in. The way we know that we belong to God and God belongs to us and we are abiding in, in, in each other is because he gave us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them, and they live in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. I'm going to say that again. So we know and rely on the love that God has for us, because God is love. Say that with me. God is love. One more time. God is love. <laughs> Whoever lives in love lives in God. And if that's true, you can say it this way. And God lives in them. So if you live in love, 
You live in God. And if you live in God, you live in love. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. All right, for free. If you feel like judgment is on the earth right now, this verse totally blows that out of the water. Anyway, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day. It doesn't say days. It says the day of judgment and it's speaking in the future. Here we go. In this world, who are we like? Jesus. <laughs> then it says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Why? Why does perfect love protect the heart of the one it loves? Because <laughs> it, From fear. Because it takes away from the understanding of who God is. Fear steals. Fear, fear robs us from the good that God wants us to receive from Him. And fear has to do with punishment. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we can only love because He first loved us. There's so much to say there, and I've been talking for a little while, so I'm going to go ahead and quit. But I want you to know that if you know who God is and who He says you are, fear is irrational. Fear should feel foreign. Worry should be foreign to us. It shouldn't become such a familiar thing. What, what's concerned me and bothered me, and we've gone through this lately, is there are words that we hear nowadays in church and in the world, and it has a, a meaning attached to it that wasn't God's original intended meaning for it. We think of fear, and we think of one kind of fear rather than the right kind of fear. We think of all these different terms and, and, and things we hear. We hear the word, use this one for us because it was a prophetic word given to us. We hear the word weird, and what do we think of? Like, dude, that odd, different, messed up. They got, they're slow in the head. So. But if you look at weird, the actual definition of weird speaks of being supernatural. So like, what, about a year, a year and a half ago when that prophetic word was given to us that God has called us as a church to be weird, I was like, I don't know if I want to receive that word. I don't want to be weird to be weird at all. But then they're like, no, read the definition. I was like, oh, I totally want to be weird. Right? So, so there are these words that take on the wrong meaning. And so we have a, a, a worldview interpretation of words through the scripture and not a heaven interpretation of it. God's trying to re-change change the way we think, change the way we hear things, give us new eyes and new ears to see things properly, to hear things the way He says it, without a filter on it. You guys okay? And the Lord's saying to us, look, if, if perfect love drives out fear, then fear will do what? It will drive out love. If one's true, the other's true. So if perfect love drives out fear then fear will drive out love. So if you're worrying, if you're struggling with a spirit of fear, stop it. Just stop. Take control of your thoughts. Take control of your minds. It's impossible to think two thoughts at the same time. Try it right now. Everybody, try to think two thoughts at the same time. 
It's absolutely impossible. We can go from one subject to another at the speed of light, right? But you can only think one thing at a time. So if I'm thinking through worry and I'm thinking through fear, stop it and think something else. Get a better thought. Like, uh, what's his name says? <laughs> think a better thought. Graham Cook. Think a better, get a better thought in your head if the worry and fear is there. You can't do both. So pick the right one, right? Think brilliantly. Don't think stupidly. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh-huh. Yep. Woo. Teacher's pet. <laughs> it's true. Thoughts become beliefs. Beliefs becomes values. Values become actions. It starts in the thought life. Thank you. That's so. That makes. That's encouraging to me. <laughs> See, it's awesome. I couldn't have even said it back. I wouldn't have even remembered the sequence right. But God, God's trying to to change the way, change our thinking. That's what the word repent means. Change the way you're thinking. Get a better thought. And today, the Lord wants to remind you that that spirit of fear isn't yours. It doesn't belong to you. It's not attached to you. You can tell it to shut up. You can tell him to shut up, and he, can, he will stop. That's why James says, hey, submit yourself to God. <laughs> Listen to this. Submission to God is an act. I can't do two things at once. If I submit to God, then I can't submit to the enemy's thoughts. So when I turn towards the Lord... I'm resisting the devil and he has to flee. I believe right now that the Lord wants to take many of us into a transitional phase in our walk with the Lord where you start telling the enemy, enemy to shut up and he shuts up. Amen? And there's a second to this that I want to say that I, the Lord just spoke. There are many that have stopped listening to the enemy and you're doing a good job because you're like, dude, shut up. The Lord's saying that your actions now will speak to him. And when you turn to the Lord, you won't have to speak and defend yourself because your action of turning to the Lord will silence the enemy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like Psalm says, you have ordained praise. To silence the foe and the avenger. My turning toward the Lord and praising and honoring Him and testifying of His goodness and connecting to the reality of His world and how good He is, immediately that act shuts the enemy up. Because he can't handle being in the atmosphere where God is. Amen. Why don't you stand? I think that's a great place to stop. <laughs> Thank you. Now, if you've struggled with fear or worry, come up to the front. We're going to break it. You've got tools now. Now we're making a public declaration that it ends today. That's all we're doing now. And when you come up here, just tell God, I don't want to worry. I don't want to fear. I want to have a better thought. Lord, we say no to worry. We say no to stress. We say no to fear today, God. We turn from a spirit of timidity. Oh, some of you are afraid to step into your calling. No more fear. Just do it.
Some of you are afraid to take steps of obedience. No more fear in the steps. God, come on, just talk to him now. Yep. Father, first of all, forgive us for fearing. <laughs> forgive us for having ungodly fear. Forgive us for worrying and, and not realizing that you've got us. <laughs> Father, I ask that you give us your mind and shift our thinking, shift our, our mindset and the, the, the foundations of the way we think, God. Give us your mind. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We can think the way you think, Lord. We can see situations through your eyes and not through our own. We can break partnership with the enemy. We can tell him to shut up and he has to shut up. When we turn to you, our turning towards you will silence him. Lord, we believe that, Lord. And I speak that no more night terrors, no more fear, no more evil thoughts or dreams, God. Father, I ask that as we sleep at night, you would give us dreams of the prophetic. Give us dreams of heaven. Let us begin to see what you want to do in our lives rather than the fear that we've partnered with. We, God, give us, who, who's having trouble in their dreams? Just wave your hand so I can see. No more evil dreams. No more bad dreams. Mm. Now, our dreams are the fruit of our thought life. <laughs> Listen to me. Our dreams are the fruit of our thought life. Like there are experiences that we've had in, our, in, in life that tie into our dreams and our thought life. So get a better thought in the daytime and you'll have a better thought in the nighttime. Amen? I believe that. Oh, how many have children that are struggling with fear? Yeah, no more fear with our kids, God. Let's show them what discipline is and not punishment, Lord. Let's teach them how the Father is. Lord, let us show them how good you are. We, we take authority over that evil spirit of fear that comes to torment our children, that comes to, to lie to them, that comes to make them more aware of an inferior world than your world. We break that in Jesus' name. May our homes be a place of peace, a place of, of love, a place of, of, of protection by our good daddy who's got us covered, who's just a great protector. You're a good protector, Lord, and you're a good provider, and you're, you're, you've got us covered in every area. We speak that over our kids. How many of you are worrying about finances? No more. First thing I will say, be obedient to God. Second thing, walk in obedience and get a better thought. <laughs> no more fear in finances, God. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Mm. Oh, Jesus. Ephesians talks about the whole armor of God, and it says, having done all to stand. I believe that that term, having done all, is, is my obedience. Is me uh, aligning myself through obedience to what the Lord's asked me to do. I've done all that He's asked me to do. Now I can stand because I'm in correct re relations to the Father. And I have no fear because obedience has brought me into oneness with Him. And when I'm at one with Him, I have nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to fear. What's, was it JFK? The only thing we have to fear is... I don't think it was JFK now that I say it. But anyway, one of those guys. <laughs> Roosevelt. I shouldn't quote him too much. Hold on one second, Marty. Hardly. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful. This is 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. 
They're divinely powerful to destroy fortresses. And it's talking about thought life here. If you'll read through it and read the original, uh, the, the Greek words there, it's talking about the way we think. Lofty thoughts, ideas, perceptions. Uh, so breaking, destroying fortresses. We destroy speculations. <laughs> and every lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of who God is. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And that's a good word. And, and I love that. That's 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. The thing I love about that is, look, it says take captive every thought. So when there's a thought that's not mine, that's not from God, I take it captive and I say it's not mine. Then I get a better thought. Then when there's a thought that comes in that I was like, I don't know if I thought that. That's from God. We take captive that thought and we do whatever it says. That's the both sides of it, right? So what... And we have the mind. I love the Old Testament scripture says, who can know God? Who can even think like this guy? Who can understand him? Then you go in the New Testament, he quotes it again, and then he finishes and says, but we have the mind of Christ. So why don't you just, everyone here, find a neighbor and put your hand on their shoulder and partner with them uh, and pray that they'll no longer have a spirit of fear, but they'll have Holy Spirit, yeah? No more fear, but we release Holy Spirit. We fan into flame the flame of God, <laughs> the flame of the Spirit that was given to us by the laying on of hands, Lord, by the impartation of your Spirit. We, we fan that Spirit into flame who tells us who our God, who our God is, who our Father is. Father, I